0: So this morning we're finishing up our series on extraordinary prayer, um, which has been kind of a convicting series for me. Uh, my, my prayer life is not what I would like it to be, but I've never really met anybody that says uh, I had the best prayer life. I have the most excellent prayer life. We, it's, it's one of those areas. I'm sorry I didn't release the children. Children, if you'd like to go to a time of worship like you already have, uh, you are welcome to continue to do that. Um, it's funny when you're sitting there, you think, I need to do this, and then you get up here and it's gone. Anyway, um, our prayer lives are just, it's one area that I consistently hear among believers that I just wish I prayed more. I wish I had a more healthy prayer life. I wish I had a more dedicated prayer life. I wish I could carve out a piece of my day for quiet time each day, and I never can manage to do that. Um, so this series has been, uh, really convicting for me um how many of you have been doing the thing where you pray for your neighbors and whatever through them yeah how's that been i mean for me it was a little weird at at first um there was the whole part about getting signed up on the website which was one part of it but then i I found myself (laughs) praying for people that i don't know which I've done before, but it just at first it just kind of felt odd. And um, I mean, you know, you can always go get to know your neighbors, but who really wants to do that? You know, who really wants to go meet these people? Well, it's easier just to pray for them and not talk to them. Um, so that's a, that that's that's a challenge for me right now is to get because on the website it shows you well the daily emails I see their addresses, and so I go, oh, that's who that person is. You know, oh, I see that person out all the time with their kids. That's who those, that's who that couple is. Um, and, uh, but I have not yet been, I have not yet moved myself to go and actually speak with them, which is something I need to do. Um, so we are at the end of this series and we're at the end of the month of February where we dedicated ourselves to praying for our communities. But, um but I think I'm going to continue and just, and see what happens and and see what God has in store and. It's been kind of neat so far to be able to pray for those in my community. Um, So that sort of leads into what we're talking about today. Um, You know, when we when I started praying for those in in my neighborhood, I didn't really think about the fact that I was that I had not really gotten to know that many of my neighbors. And I'm and I didn't really think that I would be moved to want to get to know them by praying for them. Um, But we don't ever really understand what we're getting ourselves into with God, I don't think. Um, I know a lot of times we go into things with God hoping for a specific outcome or wanting a specific outcome, but we never really know where God is going to take us, which is both exciting and terrifying. Um, We started this series several weeks ago talking about the Lord's Prayer. Um, And I remember Pastor Bill having us stand and Kind of take a minute and think about what we were getting ready to say when we recited the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I grew up in a church where we recited it every week, and I, I confess it 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 lost meaning for me. It became one of those things that I had just memorized and I would just recite and um, you know, uh, it, it, I didn't really think about what I was saying. Um, but I mean, the very first part of the Lord's Prayer, Talking about, um, you know, we want God's name to be hallowed. We want, we want God to be to be made great. We, You know, God is holy. That's exactly what we're talking about today in Isaiah. That's exactly what Isaiah was confronted with right away. Just holy, almighty God. And that right there, we've been talking about dangerous prayers and being dangerous prayers. Not being afraid to pray those things that sometimes frighten us. Um, that right there, to me, makes prayer a little bit dangerous. When I think about who it is I'm praying to, and I think about what I'm really dealing with, um, sometimes it's frightening to go to God with something because I'm a little afraid of what He's going to do with it. I'm a little afraid of how God might fix the situation or how He might answer. Um, and sometimes it's tempting just to, not think about that um, because then I can be in control, right? As if I was ever really in control. Um, but uh, but when, when we go before the throne of God, uh, it should sort of strike a sense of awe in us, uh, and maybe maybe a, a healthy sense of, of fear, and we should you know maybe remember who it is we're talking to, you know. Um, And I confess, I don't always think about that when I pray. Uh, And in the presence of God, you know, Isaiah, his first reaction is that he's confronted with his sinfulness. He's confronted with his sinful nature immediately in the presence of a holy God. He's confronted with that, and I can totally relate to that. I I, I, I've totally felt that. I've been right right there um, because in the presence of God, in the presence of the one who had the only one who had the power to take away my sin. Um, I'm immediately confronted with that and comforted because he has the power to do something about it. Just like he did with Isaiah. Um, it's so neat that with Isaiah, he, he, he confesses his sin. He's a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips and God takes care of it. God, it doesn't linger. God takes care of it. Um, and then there are other parts of the Lord's Prayer that in, in during this sermon series I've really thought about and just talking about forgiveness and asking God to forgive me as I forgive those who sin against me. That sort of implies that I am indeed forgiving those who sin against me, and, and I'm not always. I'm not always. Um, in fact, often I uh, it, we get to that part of the prayer and I'm convicted about areas of my life where I'm holding people in unforgiveness. Um, we ask God not to lead us into temptation, which, which implies that we are, in fact, following God's leading, um, and trusting Him to lead us, which, uh, is, is hard. Uh, when we encounter temptation, are we gonna trust God to lead us away, or are we gonna plunge headlong into sin, uh, which is, uh, sometimes what we do? But lastly, and related to what Isaiah prayed this morning that we're going to talk about, we 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 tell God when we recite the Lord's Prayer, we say that we want for God's will to be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, I assume that means we also want God's will done in our lives, whatever that means. But that's kind of a blank check statement, folks. So that's hard. That's hard for me um, because I... I want control. I want to be able to to fix whatever it is. My way. My way. Um, so when we pray for God's will to be done, what if, what if God's will doesn't line up with our will? And many times it doesn't. Um, do we still want his will more than we want our own will? Um, we're, we're just, we're so used to the Lord's Prayer and it's this beautiful creed that binds us together as believers. But, we have to be careful that it doesn't become just this rote prayer that we recite, um, that the words aren't taken lightly, uh, because they're heavy. Just like that passage in Isaiah today is extremely heavy. Um, I, we were talking in Sunday school that Isaiah has this vision of the throne room of God, and hes you can tell he's sort of struggling to put it into words, to put it into human terms, um, because... He's he's trying to take this and explain it like this, and it's it's difficult. Um, but at the end of the passage, Isaiah prays maybe the most dangerous prayer in the Bible. Hear my Lord, send me. Open-ended, send me. God doesn't tell him, I need somebody to go do this. I need somebody to go and and pray for this person that's working at the grocery store down the street. He doesn't say something like that. He just says, I, I, I have something that needs to be done, and in whom shall I send? Um, and if you read the rest of that passage, uh, what he asks Isaiah to go and deliver is not this warm, comfy, feel-good type message. It's a fairly convicting message. They're fairly strong words. Uh, so Isaiah doesn't sign up for, for a small task he says, hear my Lord, send me. I have often prayed a similar prayer, which is, hear my Lord, send someone else. Um, hear my Lord, please send somebody. Um, you know what someone ought to do? We, we do that a lot, right? You know, somebody ought to take care of that. Um, I love you, God. I want to do your will. But now is just not the right time. Now is not a good time. Um, I'm busy. If I can just get past this, then I can do that. Um, Incidentally, uh, I've been coming to Olivet about eight-ish years. And um, when I first started coming here, Pastor Dave read a poem that uh, I've had in my office ever since. Uh, It says, it's by Wilbur Reese. It says, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough uh, to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant worker. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy three pounds of God, please. That is often what we come to God with and it's convicting and it doesn't, I don't necessarily like admitting that, but, but there, a lot of times I come to God and I know know that God has all this power and I want him to use that power in just this one specific way. Just, just this one way, if I could just direct it, just this and, and don't make me uncomfortable and don't, don't change me. And we were talking in Sunday school about Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips and, and, And this angel comes down with a a hot coal and puts it on his lips. And we somebody mentioned that seems like it would hurt. (laughs) Often God is uncomfortable for us because God is not a human. He's holy and completely different. And so our comfort um, is many times gets in the way of our relationship with God and our comforts really important to us my comfort is very important to me my routine is very important to me there are times where my routine is more important to me than another person because it's my routine i got to go do this i got to do i got to get this done um, we want enough of god to take away our sin but we don't want enough to change our lives sometimes and our prayer life weaves right into that are we afraid to pray dangerous prayers? The picture that Isaiah paints is just this picture of ultimate worship. Um, and in the presence of this worship uh, is just this tremendous throne room and, and, the, and, and the, the robe of God is filling the, the room. And there's all this symbolism and it's, it's, very, it's very hard to understand. Um, but it's clear that, uh, it's a very worshipful experience. And, and like I said, Isaiah is just moved because of this worship to just go all in. Um, and, and that all in faith is, I believe, what God is asking us for this morning. I think it's what He asks us for every day. It's what I have a hard time giving Him. I have a hard time just going all in. Um, Sometimes, many times, I, I pray half-hearted prayers because, you know, I want I want God to handle something, but but I'm afraid of of how He'll handle it or or uh, or what will happen um, if if He does handle it according to His will. Because I know that God is powerful, and I I know that if I feel that way, that, that there are those of you that have, that have felt the same way um, when you're asking God to deal with something, um, and I. And so as I'm thinking about that, how many times in this series have we talked about fear? It's a series about prayer, right? Extraordinary prayer. And yet in a series about prayer, we've talked a lot about fear. Why? Because our fear hinders our prayer life. It hinders our relationship with God. Fear is incredibly powerful. Um Incredibly powerful. And, and we live sometimes in an abundance of fear. In fact, I mean, go on social media for 10 minutes and you'll see a dozen different articles that, uh, that make you afraid. You know, um, we sort of live in a culture where fear is running rampant. Um, and I think that I know this is why God warns us so many times in Scripture. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. In, in the presence of God, you don't have to be afraid. You know, we have this fear of the Lord, which is a different thing. But in the presence of God, you don't have to be afraid. In this passage in Isaiah, I don't see anywhere where he talks about how scared he was. He was just in awe. Absolutely in awe. Um If we try and coexist with fear, we'll never be able to step into that which God has in store for us. You can't, you can't live in fear and also live with God. Live walking with God. Because your fear will always hold you back. And I say this as someone who struggles a lot with fear. I struggle tremendously with fear. And it holds me back. It holds me back. Um, and so our New, our New Testament passage today echoes that same sentiment, that same call that God placed on Isaiah 's life. Jesus places that same call on the lives of his followers, and in us, you know it's tempting to just go, no, well Jesus meant that for those guys that were right there. But when I pray about that, I don't feel like that's true. Um, In the Great Commission, Jesus doesn't say, I have this thing, whom shall I send? Jesus says, this is the task, and it's big, and it's scary, and I'm sending you. He doesn't really give the choice for you to raise your hand. Jesus says, I'm sending you. He doesn't leave it open to interpretation. He makes it extremely clear, extremely direct. Uh, as to what needs to be done and, and what needs to be done is not easy. Have you ever tried to go and, and, and teach somebody at, at work or one of your friends or a family member what Jesus has to say? It's frightening. Even just telling them that Jesus loves them is sometimes frightening because, well, what if? What if what? What if all kinds of things? What if they say this? What if they respond wrong? What if, they're not, what if we're not friends anymore? What if it causes a problem in the family? What if they think I'm preachy? What if they think I'm judgy? There's all this what if that comes out in just telling somebody how much Jesus loves them. So it's a big task that Jesus puts forward. Um, but as always with Jesus, he, he demands a response. And so we're kind of left going, just as they were, just as the just as the disciples were then. We're left with this: What am I going to do with this? Am I going to do it? Am I going to go, or am I not? There's really the only two. There's no like, maybe. There, that's not really a fence that you can sit on for very long. Um, and so is our answer here? Am I, Lord, send me, or? We just, just, we just try not to think about it. You know, the rule with pastors, I learned from a very young age, the rule with pastors is you don't make eye contact. You, you guys sit way too far up front. That's why you're called on all the time. Um, you don't make eye contact, then they can't call on you. You know, it's like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. If you don't move, they can't see you. Um, we do that with God sometimes, where it's just, we want to, we want to pray and sort of, Get out of the throne room before God decides to do something with us. Um, But here's the thing. If you try and avoid what God has in store for your life, you're never going to know what God has in store for your life. We experience such a small amount of God in our existence on this earth, such a small amount compared to eternity. That's why when you think about eternity as a child, your eyes glaze over because who can who can comprehend that but what we do experience is extremely powerful and it's awesome that doesn't mean our lives are filled with nothing but awesome experiences we have experiences in life that are that are not awesome but when God intervenes in those experiences they become something very different and we tell those stories for the rest of our life i hear that amen back there It's wonderful when God intervenes. And when we see God intervene in someone else's life, we tell those stories forever. It's it's amazing. So why wouldn't we jump at the chance to partner with God in something that doesn't make it less scary? I get that. But when we walk side by side with God and we do... And we, we watch God intervene. It's wonderful. It's amazing. The picture that we see in Isaiah is simply an extension of what we feel and see with God in our own lives. It's just on a grander scale, which tells me that it, much like Dennis Thomas right now, when we get to that point, it, we're going to go, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I don't know that I'll have another word. I imagine there'll be lots of tears, but I don't know about, <laughs> about, uh, uh, about being able to describe it any better than Isaiah does. Um, it moves you to worship. But when Jesus says, I have this task for you, and we don't jump at it. And guess what? Some of the people that were there in, in Scripture... They didn't jump at it either. But why? Because that's how strong fear is. You know how good God is. But you also know, like C.S. Lewis put it, he's not safe. And so, your fear is so strong that it keeps you from walking side by side with the one who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That's how strong fear can be. Uh, I remember... I think I've said before, I was asked three times to do Kairos, uh, which is a prison ministry. And and I said no two of the three times. The third time, God just sent somebody he knew I would listen to. And all of a sudden, it sounded like a great idea. Um, but I remember the first night going in, I'd never been inside a prison before. And I had all these preconceived notions of what being inside a prison is like and Uh, I see Mr. Freeman over here chuckling a little bit because I'm sure he knows what I'm talking about. You you know, movie and TV and movies and TV shows and all that. Anyway, um, on that first night I met, I'll never, I have no idea where he is now, but I'll never forget him. Daryl Henderson, uh, who's an inmate at Branchville Correctional Facility. And I talked to Daryl for about five minutes and all my anxiety was gone. It was just gone. It felt like I was home. It felt like I was just supposed to be there. It felt, it felt normal. It felt good. Um, I felt like I'd known this guy forever. Uh, it showed me very quickly that God creates my comfort zone. That when I create my comfort zone, when I try to create my comfort zone, it's very small. And it keeps me from doing a lot of things uh, that are really great. Because uh, God does some really great things. But if I let God create my comfort zone, now all of a sudden um, that opens up a whole new world of experiences that are sometimes scary, but then when you get in them are really wonderful. Um, If you're afraid today, I know how you feel, but God knows how you feel. He just wants you to move past it. If you go to God with your fear, you lay lay your fear at God's feet, and you set back and you and you see what God can do with you, it it's interesting, It, it diminishes your fear the next time because you have this experience with God where where He's shown you what He can do with fear. Um the whole point of this series has been just to open ourselves up. To an increased relationship with God, to increased experience with God. Um, you know, we've asked, open yourself up to, to pray for your family for a month, and then pray for your community for, for a month, and to really commit yourself to doing that. And those are not always easy things. Uh, but, Prayer is just sort of this process of opening ourselves up and seeing what God can do. Which is kind of cool because when we step back and we watch what God does with prayer, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, we have lots of examples in this room where God has intervened, and it's really cool. Um, We can go to God with any number of things, um, and I know that we go to Him with this preconceived idea of what we'd like to see happen, but really, when it comes down to it, do we really have any choice but just to see what God is going to do? We, we don't. We don't. I know sometimes it's nice to think we do, but we, we don't. But the great part is is that we're not alone. Yes, we have God, but God, God designed the body of Christ for this very thing. Um, you'll notice he never sent the disciples out on their own. The the, the the least number he sent out was two by two. Never sent them out alone. We're all in this together. And as, as we continue further in and further in and further in with God, we are always in it together. Always. Um, you know, I, I am fine with praying for others. Um, I have a really hard time sometimes asking for prayer for me. And I, I don't know why that is other than pride maybe, or I live in this illusion that I can do it on my own. And somehow maybe that makes me feel better. I don't know why it would, but as a man, sometimes it does. Um, We've been going through a lot in my house lately, and um, we've literally been surviving some days on the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so on days when we're running on fumes, they're really good fumes. They're like the best fumes in the world. Um, So as we go on to the next series... Don't forget this. We tend to do this. We'll do a series, and then we'll go on to the next one. And you think, well, what what was the last series even about? I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just from Sunday to Sunday we forget what we talked about. Don't forget we serve a good and powerful God. Prayer is not the least you can do. I've said it, and I've heard other people say, well, the least I can do is pray. It's not the least you can do. It's the most you can do. When you look at Isaiah's experience, it's seriously going before God on behalf of someone else is the least we can do. Are you kidding me? It's the most you can do. Pray for others, but also tell others how they can pray for you. That's wonderful that we intercede for one another, but we need others interceding for us too. Because I'll tell you, in my experience, especially here lately, there are times where I go to God and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray for sometimes. Because the situation is so huge, it's so loud, it's so big. But I know that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who do know what to say. And they're praying what I can't pray on my behalf. It's awesome. And don't be afraid to pray dangerous prayers. Because it's in the dangerous prayers where you get to see exactly what God is capable of. And exactly what he can do for you. This half-in, half-out stuff, you never get to really experience what God has in store for you. So as we close this series this week, please remember that. We're all in this together, and so when you pray those dangerous prayers, you're not doing it alone. You're praying it along with others who are also praying dangerous prayers that they need your support on. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, we thank you for all the promises that it holds for us um, God you you tell us over and over and over and over don't be afraid don't be afraid don't live in fear that that you cast out fear your love casts out fear, God, and yet still we cling to it um, because somehow in in a weird kind of ugly way it's it's comforting our fear we is comfortable at times because we 've learned to live with it. Um, and one of the scary things about walking alongside you, God, is what is life like without fear? Um, so God, this morning, just give us the courage to, um, to stand before you and say, here am I, send me, um, whatever that means. Help us to just put the blank check on the table, God. Um, but we need courage and we need strength and we need faith to do that. And we know that you can give us all of those things. Um, We love you, God. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.